Hello, Louisiana. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Thursday, August 29th of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Our guest on today's podcast is Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards. We'll have that conversation coming up later in the podcast. First, here's a look at news headlines. Just where do things stand in the trade war between the U.S. and China? Don Molino says they're about the same place as they stood yesterday, or last week, or the week before that. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue says the ball is in China's court regarding an end of the current trade war with the U.S. The question is, is what's China going to do to stop stealing our stuff? Maybe you'd like to ask China, President Xi, what China's going to do to come to the table and trade like a number two economy in the world and trade fairly, freely, and without hassling and jerking our producers around. And while we become dependent on China as a consumer, we become dependent on somebody who's not playing by the rules. When the talks broke down for China, we were at the 90% there with China when Xi walked away from that, backtracked on those agreements that had already been agreed to and started reneging on that. That's when the president called me and said, Sonny, we're going to need another program. And uh, we're not anticipating one for 2020. Do you want to go back to serve a cheating China? Is that what you want? Do you want the status quo of doing nothing, allowing them to build their economy on the backs of the United States innovators and creators in technology as well as agriculture? But Purdue says he's still confident American farmers can regain share in overseas markets for their commodities. I know that's always a concern. It's one of the major questions we have about regaining market share. I've been in the grain business for 40 years, and I had good customers, but if I didn't pay the right price, they were going somewhere else. I think that's the way world buyers are as well. And I had to be competitive. I, I want, they knew I'd give good service. They knew I'd be honest. But if I didn't, my price wasn't competitive, then they were going somewhere else. That's the way the grain trade works, and that's the way it will work going forward. We'll get these markets back because they know we've got the quality and uh, the reliability of production, and we do what we, we have contract law that does what we say we're going to do. There's no this uh, turmoil about whether the U.S. can be counted on. That's why the USMCA is so important to make deals with our nearest neighbors. I think we'll regain the market back. I'm Don Molino, the voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. While the U.S.-China trade situation drags on, the recently announced U.S.-Japan trade deal and the potential for USMCA passage before the end of the year are bright spots on the agricultural trade front. That's according to Dave Salmonson. He's American Farm Bureau Federation's Senior Congressional Relations Director. Salmonson says the recent agreement announced between the U.S. and Japan is different from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and it can go quickly into effect, benefiting farmers. This is a deal, not a full-blown trade agreement. There's always work to go to fill in the details, and we'll look forward to see exactly what comes out when we see what the final deal is. This does not require congressional action. The U.S. isn't really doing anything that requires changes in our laws. So this can go forward once it's signed and there's an effective date. That's when it goes into action. 
Salmonson says things are looking good for the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. I think the momentum is very good. Going into the recess, there's been a lot of contact out in the countryside. And I know the work has continued here in town for the relevant committees on the Hill to work out the issues. And I think we feel very good that the support is there. And if we can work through these issues, we can get the implementing bill sent up to the Hill and get it to the floor and get a vote this fall. But with all of that good news, Salmonson says a new round of Chinese tariffs announced last week signals more trouble for U.S. agriculture. Louisiana is now in the record books. The Guinness Book of World Records has certified that Mary Beth and Doug Meyer of Slidell, Louisiana, have grown a 7-pound, 14.64-ounce grapefruit, the largest in the world. The Myers accepted a certificate on behalf of the Guinness Book of World Records yesterday. The process was this had to be on the tree when we harvested it. So uh, Daryl and I got up and we clipped it down. We had some, some professional folks there to verify the tree, verify the grapefruit. And then from there we took it inside and we put it on the scale. And then we had a surveyor come in to help with the measurement too. So. That, you know, I, earlier I showed the, the guidelines for that. They're quite detailed with a lot of uh, uh, <clears throat> information that has to be sent in. To Precise equipment, right. and yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was quite the process, and, and if I had to do it over again, I don't know if I'd do it. So. <laughs> yeah, he put <laughs> but it was in a fun. lot of work. Yeah, it was fun. More work in uh, applying for the world record than growing the grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> The previous record was a 7-pound, 1-ounce grapefruit grown in 2006 in Brazil. Broiler-type chicks raised for meat production in Louisiana were 3.21 million during the week ending August 24th. Placements were down 1% from a comparable week in 2018, but up 2% from the previous week. Louisiana hatcheries set 3.79 million broiler-type eggs during the week ending August 24th. That's up 2% from the same period last year and up 2% from the previous week. That's a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Don't forget, you can always check our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com or voiceoflaag.com. We update it every weekday with all the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. While you're there, click the button in the middle of the page that says click here to get our daily news update. That will subscribe you to the Daily Voice. That's our daily e-newsletter. It contains all of those stories that we post on the website each day. So sign up for the Daily Voice e-newsletter. We'll deliver it right to your inbox 5 a.m. every weekday morning. Now let's look at the markets on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The soybean market closed slightly higher today, but the corn market was mixed. Oliver Slope is with Blue Line Futures on the trading floor in Chicago. You know, I think for corn, it certainly has been a range-bound market since we kind of settled uh, earlier in the month after that USDA report. But yesterday's session was actually really constructive, and one of the more constructive sessions we've seen in a long time. We came about a half cent away from contract lows, rejected contract lows, and got a little bit of a springboard reaction off of that. I would have liked to see a little bit more follow-through in today's session, but nonetheless still holding ground going into a holiday week. 
weekend. So as you had mentioned, kind of going into a little bit of a lull, wouldn't be surprised to see that continue into tomorrow's session. But I still remain halfway optimistic on this crop, especially if we start getting this cooler weather to come to fruition. And then you raise concerns about a potential frost. And when you're looking at some of the late planted stuff, that obviously raises a lot of concern. And I think there's some premium still to be put in the market if that does play out. So 381 on the resistance side of things is the level we're looking at. If we can achieve consecutive closes out above here, wouldn't see, uh, be surprised to see the market work back towards that gap from the last USDA report and the limit down move near 392. September soybeans up three and a half, closing at 856 and a quarter. November up two and three quarters, 868 and a half. September corn down three cents, 359 and three quarters. December corn up a quarter penny, 371 and a quarter. September wheat down two and a half, 469 and three quarters. We saw another nice jump in the rough rice market today. September rice up 22 and a half, closing at 1156, 100 weight. November rice up 21 cents, 1185 and a half. November sugar unchanged, closing at 25.80 cents. Now with a look at the cotton market, here's Don Molino. Cotton futures slightly higher with nearby October of 33 points on Thursday. USDA's export sales report indicated 2019-20 upland cotton sales at 146,048 running bales for the week ending August 22nd, down 10.9% from last week and just over 3% lower than the same week last year. The top buyer was Turkey at 46,100. China canceled a net 4,587 running bales. Forward sales for 2020 totaled 23,234, 17,000 running bales for Mexico. The Cadillac index unchanged August 28th at 69.30 a pound. The weekly average world price, 52.57 a pound. It'll be updated on Thursday afternoon. New crop December, 58.97, up 24. March up 24 at 59.66. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. At the Red River Livestock Auction, Cushata, Louisiana, this week, two to three hundred pound steers brought a dollar forty-five to a dollar ninety-five a pound. Three to four weight steers, a dollar eighteen to a dollar ninety. Four to five weight steers range from a dollar eleven to a dollar sixty-two a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar twelve to a dollar forty-one. With six to seven weight steers bringing a dollar eight to a dollar thirty-three a pound. Cows range from a low of three hundred dollars a head to a high of twelve hundred dollars. Cow calf pairs brought four fifty to fifteen fifty a pair. On the futures market, we saw higher prices with October live cattle up sixty cents, ninety-nine eighty. September feeder cattle up fifty-five, closing at one thirty-three forty. October feeders up thirty-five cents. In just a few weeks, we'll be heading to the polls to choose a governor for Louisiana. Current Governor John Bell Edwards is out on the campaign trail, convincing voters to vote for him for a second term. So why should Louisiana farmers and ranchers consider Governor Edwards for another term? We'll ask him that question coming up next. Governor John Bell Edwards is our guest on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest today is Governor John Bell Edwards. Governor, thanks so much for joining us here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Carrie, thank you so much. It's great to be with you and all your listeners. Well, Governor, I am interviewing all three of the major candidates for governor. And of course, uh, you're up for re-election this year. And I wanted to talk to you about some agricultural issues. I want to make sure that the farm audience out there in Louisiana uh, understands about you, about your background, about some of the things that you've done for agriculture since you've been governor. So let's dive in, and I want to first ask you about your background. I know that you have an agricultural background. Tell me about that. Well, I grew up in northern Tenshville Parish uh, in, in and around Amit. Uh, my father owned a dairy farm uh, that, that we worked at, and I also worked in the produce uh, fields, uh, the, you know, picking uh, bell peppers and cucumbers and tomatoes and that sort of thing uh, in the summertime. And and so have a, a really good appreciation for the role that agriculture plays, not just in our state, but in the country and how important it is uh, that we actually produce the food that we need. You know, food security is, is incredibly important, um, but also have an appreciation for the way of life uh, in rural communities and, and people who grow up on farms and ranches and and uh, also those who, who fish uh, for a living and that sort of thing. So it's one of the things that makes Louisiana special and unique and and uh, not not just the, the industry, but the people who engage in it. And, and so I, I certainly had a, a healthy dose of that uh, growing up, and there, there's still an awful lot of that in, in uh, Tanchville Parish in, in terms of, of uh, strawberries and, and, and other uh, fruits and vegetables that are that are grown there. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I appreciate you asking the question. It brings back a lot of memories, a lot of early mornings getting out of bed to go to go milk those cows. Well, Governor, you went on to attend West Point. You joined the Army. You went to law school. You became a legislator and then governor. Tell me how that farm background, that agricultural background, prepared you for all of the other things you did later in life. Well, first of all, you know, if you if you grow up on a farm and, and you participate in all the various activities, you have to, um, have a work ethic. You've got to develop discipline and, 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 you know, be, just be a hard worker. And those are, those are attributes that, that make a positive difference regardless of, of whatever pursuit that, that you might, uh, undertake, you know, so, so whether it was going into the army or, or going to law school, um, I will tell you that it was it was part and parcel to to just my development overall, and it also gave me a, a, a you know an opportunity just because of where and, and and when and how I was raised to really make sure that I appreciated uh, just nature and what God has blessed us with in terms of our fertile soil and 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 some of the the best climate anywhere uh, in the world uh, to 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 farm, but also uh, all of the uh, the things that make Louisiana um, 
you know, the sportsman's paradise and, and to be able to hunt and to fish and, and to really, uh, like all farmers and, and ranchers and, and, and folks involved in timber and everything else, just understand that we're stewards uh, of the earth. We we don't own it, but we have to make sure that we, we take good care of it for future generations and, and leave it better than we found it. And, and so I think all of that uh, played a role in my development. Well, Governor, let's go back four years ago when you were running for governor. You made an appearance at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention. It was really uh, the the first, I guess, big uh, gubernatorial forum of the campaign. And I think your campaign really got a shot in the arm from that. So uh, it looks like agriculture played a big role in launching you into the governor's mansion. Well, you know, I was I was uh, very pleased with first of all a huge crowd down there and the reception that I that I had that day. I can still remember, um, and I'm actually a Farm Bureau member, and and I and I know a lot of the individuals at Farm Bureau, both uh, back at Tangeville Parish, but also statewide. Uh, Ronnie and, and his entire team, and then as a legislator, uh, I have worked uh, very closely with with Farm Bureau and the lobbyists. Uh, uh, Joe Mapes and, and, and others who were involved in agriculture. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I remember that. Uh, and by the way, I went back to, uh, to Farm Bureau this year um, in, in New Orleans uh, for the state uh, convention, but also the American Farm Bureau Federation came to Louisiana for its 100th anniversary this year, and I was able to go down for that. And I've just, I've always enjoyed uh, being around uh, people who, who uh, farm and ranch for a living and, and live in, in rural Louisiana. We just have a lot in common, and, and it, the, the conversation seems to flow. And, and anyway, it's always been a lot of fun for me. Governor, one of the first things you did after you were elected was you got together with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Mike Strain, and you two guys put on some farm tours and some listening sessions all over the state I don't think I remember a governor doing that in recent history. What was your motivation behind doing that? Well, Commissioner Strain and I have always had a very good personal and working relationship, and it was something that we talked about early on, and, and I don't know the, the last time it was done, maybe never, uh, but I know it hadn't been done in many decades, and we just wanted to go together uh, and listen more than talk uh, and, and, and all around the state uh, to people who might be in the – um, the dairy business or the sugarcane business, or it, it might've been soybeans or corn or timber, or you name it, uh, cattle ranchers, uh, and just find out from them what their biggest concerns were, what we could do to, to address those concerns. Uh, and the, the commissioner and I were able to, to, to do that o- over the course of a period of time. And we visited literally every corner of the state. Um, and, and that was a great exercise, uh, for me. I, I just I've always enjoyed uh, meeting with and talking to and and really hearing from uh, the people across Louisiana and and I and I will tell you I, I think it really helped you know for example um, a lot of the concerns we heard dealt with transportation infrastructure especially uh, rural bridges which are too often posted and and uh, they make it more difficult for farmers to get their their uh, crops to market for example because they have to go so much further um, and as a result of that. Working with the legislature and with Secretary Sean Wilson at DOTD, I'm, I can tell you that over the next three years, uh, Louisiana will invest $90 million more on rural bridges uh, that outside of the ordinary um, highway tr- uh, priority program. Uh, and so we, we've cobbled together the uh, funding source to support that. 
um, and and certainly uh, that is that is a huge new investment. But but really, I, I became acutely aware of the need for this investment because of those uh, visits that Mike Strain and I had uh, with farmers and ranchers all over the state of Louisiana. Governor, you had some tough fights in the legislature over the last four years, uh, but you survived them. And uh, one thing that stuck out to me in a lot of those fights when we were talking about taxes and tax exemptions, uh, you came out up front and said that you were going to help protect agricultural tax exemptions. Uh, And you made good on that, and those were preserved. Tell me about why you made that stand to protect agriculture. Well, Kerry, you know, when I came into office, the the state general fund deficit was $2 billion for the first full year. That was the largest in the history of our state. And and hard decisions had to be made because we are obligated under our Constitution to deliver a balanced budget every year. Uh, We can't can't run up the debt and have annual deficits and that sort of thing. And we looked for every cut that we could support. We looked for every way to save money. And then when it came to taxes, the the first effort, and, and I think rightly so, is before we looked at raising rates, we tried to figure out what tax expenditures, what exemptions, deductions, and credits, and so forth, that we could that we could reduce in order to to uh, make sure that we dealt with that deficit. And as we looked as a result of looking at exemptions, obviously uh, there were some people, not not many, but some people uh, inside of state government, uh, in terms of the legislature and outside. Who, who pointed to all exemptions, including those uh, like sales tax exemptions on inputs for for farmers, uh, whether it's seed, feed, fertilizer, diesel, whatever. Uh, but we put those off uh, limits. Uh, early on, I made a commitment not just to Mike Strain but to individual uh, farmers and ranchers and to the Farm Bureau. We put those off limits, uh, and we were able to honor um, that commitment. And, and I'm happy to say that, that we never did – uh, anything on the revenue side that that adversely impacted uh, the farming community of the state of Louisiana, uh, and, and and so I think that's important because we recognize what that margin is like, the difficult conditions out there uh, that farmers and ranchers face, the unpredictability of the weather, for example, um, and then and then the quite honestly, even without. Um, any tax uh, being associated with it, the cost for feed, seed, and fertilizer. Uh, goes up enough on its own. You know, we didn't need to we didn't need to do anything with respect to the tax uh, situation, um, and and so I'm I'm happy that we were able to deliver on that. And, and I will tell you that the the farming uh, community across the state of Louisiana really stepped up uh, and made their presence known, not just to me, but but to the legislature, uh, and they did a great job. And I'm ha- happy to report to today we're in a much much better place. The uh, the deficits are gone. Uh, we're, we're running small surpluses now, and we're making critical investments, including in things like education, higher education, and the research that we need um, to make Louisiana stronger, uh, including at our ag centers uh, that's, that's benefiting farmers and ranchers all across the state. Well, Governor, if things go your way and you're reelected for another term, what do Louisiana farmers and ranchers have to look forward to out of a second John Bell Edwards term as governor? Well, we're going to continue to uh, make infrastructure investments across rural Louisiana that that will that will assist our farmers. Uh, we're, we're going to make sure that we invest in the Port Priority Program, uh, which is which is the biggest return on any investment we make, and it is significant for our farmers. You know, for example, 
we need to increase our cold storage space uh, because we have the opportunity to have a lot more poultry production in Louisiana. Uh, the bottleneck is with the cold storage uh, down at the port so that we can store it and put it into uh, containers and, and, and ships and, and move it out. Well, I'm working with Mike Strain on that. Obviously, we're working right now to get a crusher uh, in and around the, the port of Baton Rouge so that uh, soybeans, uh, there will be an additional market uh, there, and that's that's an expensive proposition, but we're actively uh, working on that now, talking to Dreyfus uh, and to others about about moving in that direction. Uh, we're we're going to continue to do a lot of things across the state of Louisiana to benefit uh, farmers and ranchers, including dredging the Mississippi River. You know, 60% of the nation's grain gets exported through uh, our ports in Louisiana uh, along the Mississippi River, including the the grains grown here. If we if we can get the river to 50 feet uh, to Baton Rouge, we'll we'll then do 75 percent of the nation's grain. Um, we're also going to continue to do things like uh, invest in infrastructure uh, along the, the rails of Louisiana at the port of uh, Baton Rouge, for example. We're investing significantly in a chambering yard uh, that will allow long unit trains uh, to to bring grains down to Dreyfus, but also uh, allow for Drax biomass to to bring down um, the wood chips that they are exporting uh, back to the United Kingdom uh, for for energy, and it just makes that entire operation much more efficient, much more viable. Uh, and that's going to keep uh, folks uh, employed in the timber industry in Louisiana. We are aggressively uh, courting um, new investments in Louisiana as it relates to sawmills. Um, and uh, and I've got my fingers crossed that in the not-too-distant future, we'll be making a very positive announcement on that. So we, we there's no shortage of, of things for us to do and to concentrate on. And, and in the second term, we're going to continue to make sure that we, we move our state forward. Um, that, that, as I mentioned before, we're going to be investing in, in education, and that includes higher education and the research necessary uh, to keep Louisiana farmers and ranchers uh, at the forefront of the industry across across the country. And, and I'm excited about the future of our state, and I'm excited about the role that agriculture is going to continue to play uh, in it. You know, it's, it's already uh, has an economic impact of over $11 billion. Uh, and that's just going to grow uh, over time. So I'm, I'm excited about what's happening here uh, in the agricultural sector, and I continue to look forward uh, to working with the, the people of Louisiana to make it even better. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, thank you so much, Governor, for your time. I appreciate it. Kerry, C- thank you so much, and I appreciate all the listeners. Now, we are planning to do interviews with the other two major candidates for governor, Louisiana Congressman Ralph Abraham and Baton Rouge businessman Eddie Risponi. We're working on that right now, and as soon as we can get that lined up, we'll bring those to you right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. Be sure to follow us, like our post, and stay up to date on everything happening in Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.